I'm I'm a prairie girl through and through. I love this city. I love Forest Lawn and and I really want to bring that voice to Ottawa. I want to bring that di- that diversity, that inspiring resilience that is Forest Lawn to Ottawa, not the other way around. Welcome to the Ballot Box, featuring Jordan Steen. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. We are entering the Ballot Box once again, and today we are sitting down with Calgary Forest Lawn Liberal candidate, Jordan Steen. Jordan, thank you so much for coming in and doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Chris, thanks so much for having me again on your podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, before we get started, I want to pass the mic over to you because I understand you want to do land acknowledgement and I appreciate that. So go ahead. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge that we are having this interview and this conversation uh, on the Treaty 7 territories where the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pikani, the Stony Nakoda and Tsitsina signed in 1877 and so we have the great honor of being able to enjoy creating community in a long tradition of creating community that happened long before the treaty sevens were signed um or sorry the treaty seven was signed but i yeah thank you so i just wanted to acknowledge that and i appreciate you giving me the opportunity awesome and thank you for doing that greatly appreciate it because we should always try to acknowledge the land that we do last uh live on and do things like this on yeah but i do want to jump right into the interview and usually you know what where the first question is going to go because like you said you have been on the show before but where does your sense of duty to serve come from um oh i don't know i probably gave you a long-winded answer last time um i uh so i absolutely love the city of calgary that has been the place where i was born and the place where i've you know, lived with my family for years, and I, I see that we have real challenges that we're facing as a city, and I really believe that we need voices that are standing up and and really, you know, beating the drum of trying to inspire the best of us because challenges tend to bring out the worst in people, or they can, um, and so I get really inspired. I mean, it was sort of, I was called to run the first time and it's been a whirlwind couple years since then, um, but I haven't lost any steam. And in fact, I just continue to meet more people and get inspired. And the more I see, you know, young girls that look at me, I just, the other day I was at the Muslim Harvest Day Festival and this little girl looked at me and went, wait, girls can be politicians? And that honestly, like it, it just it stopped my heart for a second and it makes me so proud and happy and honored to be able to do this. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of happened. The universe just like tapped me on the shoulder. Um, well, a friend did, but, um, and I just continue to love what I'm doing and the more involved I get in the community, the more I feel compelled to, to stand up for the things that I think are important to a lot of us. So, you mentioned it there and I want to just talk about it briefly before we do move on to policies and what you're hearing at the door. But in 
2019, you did run in Calgary Confederation, but you have now chosen to run in Calgary Forest Lawn, or you are now running in Calgary Forest Lawn, I should say. Mm -hmm. What was that switch about? What was the decision to not run in Confederation this time and more run in Calgary Forest Lawn? Well, um, yeah, and I'm sure several people have that sort of question in mind. So I ran, like, I'll just back up a tiny bit more. I ran in 2019 for the Alberta NDP in Calgary Glenmore. And that was the first, that was my first kind of step into the arena of politics. I remember when someone asked me to run, I thought, I imagined in my mind, like, oh, I'll just get on buses and hand out flyers. Like, that's what politics is about. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was really inspired by the Alberta Climate Leadership Plan. And, you know, Kenny had campaigned on Scrap the Tax. And I really could see already the important changes that that was making in our province and supporting businesses that we needed to be transitioning towards and creating cool jobs and all that. When it was scrapped, I was devastated. And so I was asked to run by the Liberals and I wanted to really defend um, the price on pollution and be a voice in Ottawa for that. And Calgary Confed was a really good fit at the time. But the last two years, I've been working for the Ward 9 office at the City of Calgary with Councillor Giancarlo Carra. And Councillor Carra is a really like hands-on, really involved, really... Uh, you know, like the number of times we've stood in a field and pointed and, you know, had really good conversations with people about like, what do you envision? And so I've gotten a chance to really know the communities of Forest Lawn very well and built incredible connections. And Forest Lawn is the most diverse riding in our city. It is um, an incredibly inspiring riding. And in many ways, East Calgary has been neglected by its elected officials for very long time. It's you know, it doesn't necessarily get all the attention and the infrastructure and the investment that other parts of the city have. And so speaking to people, it was like, this is a part of the city that I've grown to love. And I feel so it's like my soul riding, like I'm so connected to it. And the opportunity presented itself. And I just felt honored that I I had those deep connections. And uh, there was a really good opportunity um, so I yeah. want to talk about that because you sort of set up my first line of questioning quite well. But Northeast Calgary, which is Forest Lawn and Calgary Skyview, which we currently are in with literally right across, like a hop, yeah. skip and jump from uh, Calgary Forest Lawn, mm-hmm. was one of the hardest hit areas for COVID-19. You yep. saw the numbers in this area skyrocket. Yep. and. I want to ask you, as the Liberal candidate, as you're door knocking, what are you hearing from residents about COVID-19, about how the government has handled this pandemic? So I think when we talk about COVID-19, there's there's two huge aspects. And I actually want to introduce a third aspect. (laughs) I just want to make the conversation richer. But the other thing that's impacted Northeast Calgary was the hailstorm. And so there's been this sort of like, the one that we just had two days ago or literally last no, night? No, the one on, uh, actually on my birthday of uh, 2020. So the the hailstorm has had a huge impact on the Northeast and then COVID, of course. And so COVID, we're talking about a health pandemic, but we're also talking about devastating economic impacts to families. So when I'm talking to families and when I'm talking to people on the doors, what I'm hearing is... You know, we were at risk of not being able to make our mortgage. We, you know, knew someone who was sick, but we were so anxious about not being able to pay for childcare or to meet our monthly expenses. And so 
they continued to work. And so the economic devastation of COVID has been in some ways, you know, like other parts of the city, lots of people managed to maintain their jobs and work from home. That wasn't the case for a lot of people in Northeast Calgary. And so part of why we saw the numbers skyrocket here was because of that. And, you know, frontline workers, service workers, nurses, you know, people serving our coffee at Tim Hortons, people um, driving Ubers, you know, that's a lot of the small business owners. So they were so impacted. And so when you talk about the health pandemic, of course, we're talking about, you know, masks and and vaccines. And that's really top of mind for people. And they want to see a firm, strong stance and, you know, clear guidance. Um, But they also are really impacted financially. And so the the impact that the the liberals have had over the last few years, it's really impacted their lives. Like it's it, it's top of mind. You know, I go to a door and they're like the liberals were there when I needed them. And that's special to this area. And then of course the the hailstorm as well. Again, it's that compound effect of you know, not all the homes in Northeast Calgary were built to the same building standards. And we are in, you know, climate impact alley, and we're going to continue to see challenges. And, you know, when the flood happened in downtown Calgary, you know, Kent Hare's there with a $400 million check. Where was just rush? You know, like, where was uh... Jag Sahota? Yeah, you know, like, where, where were our elected representatives? Um, I know the city of Calgary and George Chahal, um, you know, really, really pushed for relief on municipal taxes. And that's been really important. But where was our federal representation? Where was our provincial representation? And if anything, they were scolded, you know, or ignored. And so it's, it's a combination of like impacted by these really important things that have been happening and and we'll conti- we're going to continue to see face challenges especially climate impact events and we need and you know people are starting to notice like oh our elected officials really matter it really makes a difference to our lives when you're facing a challenge and someone shows up or they don't um you talked about how diverse forest lawn is and yet again i don't have the numbers in front of me but i'm assuming you are correct when you say it's one of the most diverse ridings because calgary skyview is probably very close behind if not right on the second place i want to talk about that diversity because if elected you will have to represent a very diverse set of views and also a very diverse set of people Mm -hmm. how do you envision doing that because i think one of the biggest concerns that people have at the doorstep when they look at candidates is how are you going to represent me Mm -hmm. so how are you going to represent all of calgary forest lawn um that's a great question and i think in many ways it's sort of the question that our whole city should be asking itself (laughs) right yeah so forest lawn is interesting because so Skyview is very diverse, but they're diverse differently. So you see a lot of sort of a higher percentage of South Asian and Northeast. In Forest Lawn, all of the uh, sort of ethnicities of the entire city of Calgary are represented in Forest Lawn. So it's not this, you know, it's not like a, an enclave of one group in particular. It is so, so mixed. And that's part of what makes Forest Lawn so interesting um, and fun and vibrant and amazing. And it's also one of the challenges. So I've been so fortunate that, of course, we've seen, you know, a lot of conversations coming out since the death of George Floyd 
and the Black Lives Matter protests, which, you know, I attended. And of course, I was working uh, in city council at that when 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 that happened. And we were part of the I was part of the group that helped draft the notice of motion to bring that to council. Uh, we I sat in those conversations about how does the city of Calgary as a city address systemic racism in our city? How do we actually become an anti-racist city? And it's not just about, you know, not being racist. It's about actively making sure that the services, that the opportunity that's available to Calgarians is available to everyone, which we're seeing very clearly that that is not the case. So, um, sat through, of course, the anti-racism public hearing, um, have been sort of keeping tabs on the anti-racism action committee that's been going on at the city of Calgary. And that has been, so I did my degree in university, interestingly enough, on colonial history. And I, you know, studied black history as a big part of my degree. And so, so had some sort of understanding of like, you know, read Dubois and Franz Fanon and, and all of these writers, but, but working with it in a system in real, you know, challenges and real pain in the face of real trauma and, and sort of, I, I, I can't say anyone that listened to that public hearing wasn't moved. Like it was shocking and it should be mandatory listening for every single Calgarian because you realize, wow, our city is not the same for everyone. It is not, it's not the same experience. So I've been so fortunate to be able to, you know, have those conversations and we've seen changes and, uh, you know, not everything is perfect. Mistakes have been made. Absolutely. But the work is so necessary and uh, it's so inspiring and exciting. And like I said, like all politics, you just you meet more people and you you make more friends and you you that you adapt and uh, and try to bring out the best in people. And so systemic racism, addressing that in the city of Calgary has been an incredible learning experience for me. And that is some of the skill set that I hope to continue to grow and build upon uh, representing Forest Lawn and um, you know, reconciliation, which I didn't even mention, but that is absolutely a necessary part of moving forward as a country. And we need those voices. So I, you know, my team is incredibly diverse, incredibly diverse. Like every member of my team is from, you know, different communities, different organizational structures, different ethnic backgrounds. They all speak multiple languages. I myself speak several languages. <laughs> Uh, having traveled a lot and I just like languages, but I, you know, we make a huge effort to ensure that we hear, we sit down, we have those conversations, we address those tough things. I started a business recently and, and make the same efforts there. Uh, my staff is, you know, incredibly diverse. And I see in our clientele now people coming in and they represent the diversity and the incredible richness of our city. So it's not hard it's it's a challenge, but it's exciting to be meeting it. And I think, you know, continuing to do that work and continuing to grow and continuing to educate myself, um, you know, reading the documents, reading the history, continuing to learn every day. I learn something new. So I, I hope that uh, that's the sort of stance or whatever that will um, that, that will you. meet the meet the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here to represent every person in this riding, whether you agree with me or not, happy to sit down and have those conversations and absolutely 
working to fight for an anti-racist city to make Calgary a place of opportunity for for everyone. And that's, you know, that work is especially necessary in Forest Lawn. I want to talk about the Liberal Party and some of the policies that it's put forward already. Mm -hmm. But before I do that, I've asked this to every candidate, political partisan candidate who's come on the show. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little bit different because it's aimed at the Liberal Party this time. But in your own words... What is the Liberal Party and what does it stand for? Wow, that's such a vague question. <laughs> vague um, but open-ended. <laughs> no, totally. Um, so the Liberal Party is a big tent party. And, it, and you know, Canada is a big tent country. Um, so there's incredible, rich and diverse voices within the Liberal Party. And I really saw this, I think... Actually, that's a great question because in Alberta, Albertans have a very particular understanding of what the what the Liberal Party means. And it, it really kind of opened my eyes. I went to candidate training in 2019 and I got to meet candidates from all over the country. And I, you know, became friends with a candidate in BC. And the challenges and the types of conversations and the type of person that she was and the values that she were bringing forward were so different from you know, the, the Quebecois candidates that I met or the Ontario candidates, you know, there's, um, you know, much more sort of like, we'll call them orange liberals, um, blue liberals, blue liberals, like, like, like it's a big tent. Yeah. And, and there are ones that I was like, oh my goodness, this is my soul sister. And there were others where I was like, are we in the same, are we in the same club here? Um, but it's, but that's what made it so interesting. And, uh, I remember, we were, there was a conversation going on and Randy Boissonneau stood up and he went, I would like to just ask people to stop talking about Albertans in this way. And he stood up for Alberta in this way that was so, you know, true and authentic to, to the Alberta that I understand. And it was something in relation to, uh, climate addressing climate change. And he was like, not all Albertans are just denying that climate change is a problem. Um, so it's, it's it's a very diverse party. It's a big tent. And I think it's so important that we elect voices that represent sort of like where the party is going, where that the party is a forward looking party, that we're having conversations about addressing, you know, the real challenges that we're facing, uh, that we have, um, you know, people that are saying, yeah, climate change is an emergency and we need to keep pushing that. And yeah, so I mean, like anything or any organizational structure, not perfect, but what I what I do really see or what inspires me about the Liberal Party is that it's it's evolving constantly, that there is room for my voice and the voice of the constituents that I represent and the sort of forward looking vision. There is room for that in the Liberal Party. And I feel uh, inspired to be able to and, you know, welcomed and supported in the party to be able to really authentically speak that truth in the way that Randy Boissonneau did. And so, yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's the longest party of Canada and all of those kinds of things, but it's cool because it's, it's also growing and evolving and there's room for, there's room for a whole wide array of voices. I want to talk about some of those, uh, the policies now, but before I do, I want to ask this question because this is the first liberal candidate that I've had sitting down since the election has been called almost eight days ago. 
Um, are you hearing at the doorstep? Are you hearing from uh, Calgarians in Calgary Forest Lawn? Oh, why are we at an election? And what do you say to them if you do hear that? I'm not hearing that, surprisingly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, surprisingly, I'm not. What I'm hearing is you're liberal. Like they're confirming. Yeah. And then I go, yes. And then they go, Justin Trudeau. And I go, yes. And then they go, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for, you know, CERB or the Canada Child Benefit or um, the wage subsidy. I, I was speaking to two business owners and I myself am a small business owner. So we were kind of chatting about, you know, the challenges of addressing COVID and changing health measures and there were so many challenges about around staffing and I, and you know, you hear a lot about this and small business is one of those things that gets punted between parties. Like we're the party of small business. And I always find this hilarious because sometimes I'm in rooms and I'm like, uh, excuse me. Uh, I, you know, I like having a mask bylaw in place because then my staff don't have to argue with every person that comes in the door as an example. Um, so it is, it is really interesting, but we were chatting with these small business owners and they were saying like, you know, the wage subsidy kept us, kept us open, kept us, you know, kept us going. And um, so I'm hearing that, really. I, I haven't actually had anyone ask me why we're having an election. Um, there's been a few people that are kind of like, I don't know if this is the right time. And I, and I get that. But what I say is, you know, there's a really forward looking, there's a bold vision. And we really need that kind of strong leadership that we've had through the pandemic. We need that going forward. And um, we don't have time for the kind of the politicking and the arguing and the horse trading and the waiting to hear if there's going to be the support that we need. And I do appreciate the back and forth in terms of, you know, in making policy better. Of course, that's an important part of government. But there's a lot of, you know, when I talk to people a lot, there's like, well, why aren't they just supporting it? That's actually a good idea. And you're like, well, you know, they might get more facebook followers if they don't so sometimes you know the motives aren't always the best and yeah i i really get why you know in order to to really address the challenges that we're facing right now which we are we need an election we need canadians to make their decision about how they want to go forward and um yeah i i'm surprised i you know like of course we have conversations at the party and they're like, you know, this is sort of what you're going to hear at the door, what you're going to hear. And I, I haven't heard that. I've just been hearing. Thank you. Oh, wow. Um, for those who are tuning in right now, we have about five people who are watching this live with us. And oh, cool. Am I on camera? You are on camera right there. That's how well I prepared her. I didn't even tell her. Um, for those who are tuning in and for those who are listening, this is uh, uh, I'm sitting down with Calgary Forest Lawn Liberal candidate, as you see with her big giant team Trudeau liberal sign right beside her, Jordan Steen. Um, Jordan, I want, I want to talk about $10 a day daycare. Yes. It is a big part of the platform that the liberals are putting forward right now. Yeah. Uh, it has come to, I would say, nine out of the ten provinces. And yep. I'm going to say which province it hasn't come to yet. And but if I'm not mistaken, two out of the three territories. Yeah. Um, Alberta is still not signed on for this. Is this an issue that you're hearing at the doorstep? Yes, absolutely. And how, how, how would this better the lives of people of Calgary Forest Lawn? Oh my goodness. So I, <laughs> let's, let's wow, that's, a, that's a softball question. I, I'm uh, going to hit you with the next hard one right afterwards. So don't worry. 
I mean, I, I was talking about this issue when I was campaigning for Rachel Notley with the NDP. And I, I remember I was sitting down with my, um, my partner's sister and, or, or yeah, family members. They have two kids. And I asked her what they were spending on childcare. And I don't have kids, so this isn't something I, you know, had really thought about until then. And we sat down and she said $1,700 a month per kid. And I like almost spit my drink. Like I, was I almost like, did. I was like, <laughs> I don't understand how, like, how do you, how do you explain so many questions? Yeah. Just, I don't understand how, that's so expensive. And so they were debating at the time, you know, whether she would go back to work and whether she would go back to work full time or part time. And I was watching this woman in real time, you know, struggle with she she was well educated. She had a great job. She loved her work and was having these really hard conversations. This is pre-COVID, you know, where people's lives have become even more challenging, where the cost of living has gotten even higher, where people's wages have been severely impacted or their income has been impacted. So pre-COVID, this was the conversation we were having. And I remember she wasn't really a political person. I said, would you, you know, film a testimony for me? And she's like, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, it, it is something that impacts people's lives directly. It is such a large expense. And I, you know, no matter what political stripe people are, I hear cost of living and the increase in the, you know, cost of living as an issue that impacts everyone and especially women. And then, of course, not just cost of living, but this impacts as a woman, you know, your career choices, your entire career trajectory, how much money you're going to make over the course of your lifetime. Um, so if we're talking about recovery, economic recovery, if we're talking about women's empowerment or equity or any of those things, this is such an issue and it's so important. And it's people have been coming up and saying, like, is that real? Is this a real thing? And I'm like, yeah, it's real. And we just need to figure out how to get the province on board. So now uh, now to play devil's advocate. Let's uh, hear it. Hit, hit, yeah, a little bit hard. The conservatives have pr- proposed a tax credit instead of $10 a day daycare because they believe that the parents should have the right to choose what they want. And if they want to do homeschooling and get a tax credit for that, then it would be a little bit better than a $10 a day because not everyone works that traditional nine to five job where daycares are allowed. So how do you then talk to constituents and say, you know what, $10 a day is the first step is the first step in moving forward. And a tax credit doesn't help you away in the way that, say, a $10 a day daycare could. Well, it it doesn't. They're also suggesting, you know, a GST-free December, you know, to buy kids' toys. Both of those sort of, like, seemingly beneficial policies, they they disproportionately impact people that are wealthy and they and, and disproportionately impact people that are not affluent. So you're basically saying, um, you know, people that are filing their taxes, you know, on time and, and doing that, you know, lots of people are, they don't even, they don't even pay taxes because they're struggling. They're not even, they're below the, the threshold. So they're completely left out of the, these benefits. And then you're basically, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you can benefit at tax time down the road if you've got, you know, an accountant that's going to check that box for you and you're going to jump through these hoops. And $10 a day childcare is like directly impacting families 
tomorrow, you know, once it's or whenever it's brought in. And same with the GST tax credit. It's like, well, you know, wealthy families are going to spend way more money on Christmas toys than families that are not. And so they're benefiting more than others. And it's just it's that same kind of we hear the same conversations in education. And, you know, the word choice sounds nice. But really, it just doesn't provide the same quality for everyone, which is what's important. And at the end of the day, you want to be empowering the most number of people and you want to be empowering uh, the people that are hardest hit by the challenges that we're facing economically in our country. So are we doing that or are we, again, disproportionately impacting and benefiting people that are wealthier? This is going to be the part where the conservative in me comes out. Sure. So this is me talking to you, the liberal candidate. There is a misconception. There's a conception here in Alberta that the liberal party is not oil energy friendly. Right. I think any liberal candidate running will always have that question posed to me. Why do you want to shut down the oil and gas industry? (laughs) First off, before I go into my question... What is your opinion on the oil and gas industry? So born and raised in Calgary. I worked for Nexon for three years as a summer student. I, you know, appreciate that we have been incredibly blessed to be, you know, born and be able to work and and make money from the land that we're on. And uh, it has brought incredible wealth and benefit to so many people I know and, you know, honest, earnest living that people have created and raised their families. And so I see that. Um, I also see that we're facing a climate crisis and emergency. Like this is not, this is not a drill. (laughs) This is real. And we have to be doing something about it. And I mean, whether or not you want to argue about climate change, fine. But economically speaking, you know, every stock exchange every you know economic forecast trending is showing that the economy is going to be shifting away from fossil fuels towards something different so to me it's not really about arguing ideologically or judging or anything like that i care about the people of this city and i want to see you know good well-paying jobs and earnest honest living being made by the the folks of this city And that is possible, but we need to be seriously addressing the challenges that we're facing. And if we're not doing that, then we're we're doing a huge disservice to future Albertans. So I'm going to hit you on the left now (laughs) because I hit you on the right there. Now I'm going to hit you on the left. NDP supporters or Green Party supporters would say, how can you be environmentally friendly when you've literally the Liberal Party, the government, Justin Trudeau, has bought a pipeline? Yeah, and <laughs> I know, we're like walking that line, right? Um, I, I get it. What I say is, you know, I don't have a strong opinion on pipelines. I don't have a strong opinion on light posts. I don't have a strong opinion on curbs. You know, they're infrastructure for the civilization that we're living in. There is a huge difference between the Trans Mountain expansion and the Keystone XL. There's a huge difference. We're talking about, you know, an expansion of an existing line or we're talking about a brand new line in unceded territory. So I have, you know, different opinions depending on the situation and the context. I think, um, you know, I understand, again, we're we're even feeling the crunch of the, you know, climate emergency more now than we were in 2015 or 2019. Uh, you know, there's smoke everywhere. Um, 
you know, I wake up anxious. And we all do. And, you know, the, the hailstorm, like the, the reality is coming to hit us. So I think, you know, I, I know that the liberals get that. But we also have to understand that moving forward as a country needs, you know, steps that, again, in 2019, we were still arguing about whether or not the, the price on pollution was going to stay in place. So we're moving forward. We're evolving. We're addressing the challenge as it needs to. I personally think we need to be doing faster and, you know, addressing it more head on. And I will just say that I know that the Liberal Party wants to do this, too, because having worked at the city and I've been a member of the Energy Futures Lab for the last two years, we have these conversations constantly. Right. And in those rooms, it's people from the oil and gas sector to, you know, people in the arts to, you know, all different voices um, from across Alberta the liberals really want to help accelerate this transition and um they're not they don't have a voice in ottawa that's like hey i'm from alberta this is an opportunity here this is what we need to do here this is what we need to do here they don't have that right now because we're we still have people in alberta and people representing forest lawn that are arguing about whether or not climate change is real so i don't think you're going to make everyone happy all the time but yeah, I mean, I kind of no. But I'm going to jump onto this question now because you mentioned it. And I want to I want to ask if it's being brought up or are you sort of happy that the conservatives have sort of come around to the issue? Uh, in 2019, the price on carbon was the debate. It yep. was a debate on well, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we? Yeah. Aaron O'Toole, now conservative leader, has come out with his policy and said, yes, we're going to put a price on carbon. Have you heard from conservatives when you're door knocking or people saying we can't vote for you because you're putting a price on carbon? Then you have to say, no, well, technically all parties are now. Right. Doing it. Yeah. Well, what I, I always kind of chuckle because in many ways, a price on pollution is a market based solution for it's it's a in I don't I don't want to say it's a conservative idea, but it's a market based solution. It's well, Rooney started it. It's a non heavy handed government solution to the challenges that we're facing, and and I also don't want to diminish it in that way either. Like this is the strongest tool that we have to address climate change. Um, so you know the the revenue the revenue is the wrong word, but the the money that is coming in from the price on pollution is going to accelerate our change and being hopefully well invested, which is a big part of who you're electing in this election. Um, yeah, I it it does make it easier to be like, well, we're all fighting for a price <laughs> all, on pollution. Yeah. I will say I was reading uh someone some conservative candidate I won't say whose literature the other day. And I'm really passionate about climate change. So this is something that I care a lot about, spent a lot of time talking about, spent a lot of time even in the city of Calgary trying to understand how the city of Calgary could, you know, notice this emotion and pushed a lot of stuff when I was there with Councillor Carra about addressing climate change as a city. And so really passionate about this. And I was looking at this literature and it just says the conservatives have a strong track record of protecting clean land, clean air in a clean environment or something. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I, I chuckled. Um, and then it just says, you know, we can't, but we, in much bolder letters, we can't do this on the backs of Albertans. And I just want to emphasize that, again, you know, the way that the liberals have done this, the price on pollution, is the rebates come, they they benefit people that that will be impacted by the increase in prices on things. So it comes back and in many ways it 
people are better off with the rebate than they would than the amount that their you know cost of living is increasing so it, it's it's just good economic policy and i'm happy to debate this with any conservative. <laughs> Can't wait for the debates for the Calgary <laughs> Forest Lot. Um, before we do wrap up here, because we're about 35 minutes into this, and I want to just keep you, because I know you probably have campaigning and you have to go door knocking here tonight. Yeah. But I want to talk about one last thing. Um, you as the next MP. Mm-hmm. Calgary Forest Lawn. Yeah. I like the ring of it. Exactly. <laughs> um, I know you are a new business owner um, that will have to take a back seat if you are elected. Yeah. Are you ready for the change and uh, sort of job and sort of go off to Ottawa? Because one of the things you hear from elected officials, especially outside of the Ottawa bubble, mm-hmm. is you get elected, you go, you don't come back. How will you, you get come back during elections? How will you be seen on the ground during your time in office, because people want someone that they can rely on, that they can contact, that they can communicate with. How are you going to be different than, say, the current MP? Well, I think the problem that you're referring to of they go off to Ottawa and they don't come back, that's mostly a conservative problem. (laughs) Wasn't saying it. I know, but like, (laughs) Stephen Harper was elected from Calgary, but like, did that man ever visit Calgary? I don't even know. Stampede. Sure, stampede, yeah. <laughs> Flipping pancakes. And that's fine. And, you know, that is that is a real concern. But, you know, I, I remember I was talking to someone in Ottawa at that candidate training, and they were like, I never saw Kent Hare. I never saw him. He was in Calgary all the time. He was on the red-eye flight, and at 5 in the morning, he'd arrive in Calgary, and he'd be at a train station talking to people. That's really inspiring. He's what is known as a hyper-local candidate. I'm... I'm a prairie girl through and through. I love this city. I love Forest Lawn. And and I really want to bring that voice to Ottawa. I want to bring that that diversity, that inspiring resilience that is Forest Lawn to Ottawa, not the other way around. Like, this isn't about me being Justin Trudeau's proxy in Forest Lawn. It's about having a voice that's deeply connected in the riding, that is talking to you know, the organizations, there's a lot of organizations in Forest Lawn that are serving new Canadians, that are serving refugees, that are serving the opioid crisis, that are addressing our mental health problems. I want to empower and help and be a part of, that's the part of politics that inspires me. So that's the kind of candidate that I'm, that's the kind of campaign I'm running. That's the kind of work I've done for the last two years in Councillor Carra's office and I've learned an enormous amount about just that on the ground kind of having, you know, here's my number. Let me know when you need anything. Um, yeah, I'm way more excited about being, you know, a Calgarian in Ottawa than, in, you know, the other way around. Um, I mean, my business is, I guess, newly, we haven't been open that long, but it's just been a total community hub. Um, it's, you know, like full every day. I, it's really inspiring. I wanted, it's called good news and I wanted to, uh, make it a space where people, I remember reading this article by Adam Gopnik about how, you know, the coffee houses of Tunisia, you know, was where the revolution was born. And there's so much of that long history of like sitting and having coffee or, you know, the over-caffeinated laugh, the (laughs) over-caffeinated left as an insult always makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, it's a place where we, you know, share coffee or tea or drinks and, uh, soft serve ice cream and whatever. 
And people are coming and they just like, they sit and they talk to their neighbors. And um, it's just, it's, it's really inspiring. And I've been really lucky because I've hired some pretty incredible staff and I feel so confident and comfortable. Like within the first week, I just, I remember I came out and looked and it was full and people were sitting and it's running smoothly. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this is, is truly, I feel so lucky to just have, be surrounded by such incredible people. So I feel confident the business will be fine. You know, I've really empowered my team to be able to, to, manage things on their own and then I'm just there to sort of like take the garbage out when they when I'm around you know tweak here and there but yeah I want to be I want to be in Calgary I want to be a part of the community that's again like it's the kind of campaign we're running it's the kind of candidate I am it's the kind of MP I want to be now I'm just going to move this here for one second put it directly on you directly on the camera yeah I want you to take two minutes or as long as you want Talk to the camera, talk to the viewers, talk to the listeners, because we are up to 12 people right now. Oh, wow. Who are tuned in. Might be conservatives, might be NDPers, That's might be fine. Greens, might be a few liberals, might be Ricardo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure to see what I'm doing. Yeah. Talk to the people of Calgary Forest Lawn. Why should you be their next MP? Yeah, I, um, I mean, I, I'm going to end up repeating myself here, but I absolutely love Forest Lawn. It is... In many ways, it's my soul riding, as I've said. it's It represents the most incredible resilience of our city. The challenges that Forest Lawn are facing are exactly where politics matters and makes a difference. This isn't, you know, some cerebral argument about niche policy or what color Trudeau's socks are. This is, you know, families more making their mortgage payments. This is, you know, children being lifted out of poverty. This is an opioid crisis that is impacting, you know, I speak with business owners along International Ave and, and they're dealing with the challenges of that. And I, I really get it and I really understand. And my, you know, my feet are firmly planted on the ground here in Calgary and, and in Forest Lawn. And I want to continue to have those conversations with residents. And as we mentioned, it's an incredibly diverse riding and it would be honestly an honor and a privilege to be able to work with just all the incredible, colorful, interesting, vibrant, resilient, inspiring. I just meet people every day in Forest Lawn that I'm like, you are doing the work of holding this city together. And I, I feel lucky to know those people. And I feel lucky to be able to have those conversations and get a better sense of how to serve, how to, how to be there, how to support, how to empower the families, the women, the girls, the businesses in in forest lawn and you know the surrounding communities so because forest lawn's a big riding with lots of uh, yeah yeah and honestly i it would be an incredible honor to be able to to help bring this voice to ottawa and i will say it is so important that we have a voice it is so important that we have a voice at the table in ottawa with the government i can't emphasize this enough you know, when you elect a, a, a conservative representative, you're getting a backbencher, you're getting someone who's excited about flipping pancakes with Jason Kenney during the stampede, and you're getting someone that's, that's, um, sorry, I just got an Apple Watch and it's, it's so distracting. Um, you're getting someone who's, who's, you know, interested in, in sort of 
like, like I said, flipping pancakes with Jason Kenny at Stampede, it's pretty evident that Jason Kenny is not representing, you know, the people who really need support in this election. He spends the whole Stampede, you know, in a private room, um, you know, and, and you look at other other elected officials and they're they're in the community and they're talking with people. That's the kind of representation Boris Lawn really needs. And uh, yeah, I anyways, I'm sort of repeating myself. No, no. And I appreciate that. But in order to get past September 20th, Mm -hmm. you need volunteers. I do. You need people to come out and help. All 12 of you. I look forward to you signing up. So I've got to ask the question because just in case people are listening to this and aren't able to look at the show notes, how can people reach out? Because we've talked about a few topics here, but if they want to learn a little bit more about yourself or ask you a question directly, how can they do that? So you can reach me on Instagram, uh, Jordan Steen, Alberta. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. Uh, it's Jordan Steen, AB. Uh, or just, even if you type in Jordan Steen, Alberta, you'll find <laughs> me. Um, there's only one of those. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you can reach me uh, via email. So contact at jordansteen.ca. And then jordansteen.liberal.ca. So I'm, I'm splashed all over the internet. Um, but yeah, you can send me a DM. You can send me a message on Facebook. Um, I check all of those regularly. We read every email you send. And um, I, I'm out in the community. So hopefully I'll just run into you on International Lab or on 32nd. And um, But yeah, we'd love for you to join the team. We're having a lot of fun. Like I said, it's it's a really cool team. Um, lots of them have been in my previous campaign, so it's really nice to, you know, get the gang back together. Get the gang back together one more time. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, just new people coming out all the time and it's super fun and super exciting and you'll get to see Gretchen if you come. She's so sleepy. I was going to say, it's our first interview we've ever done where a dog has been live in person during the interview. Yeah. Um, Look alive. <laughs> Look alive. Um, Jordan, I want to thank you so much for doing this. This has been a pleasure. This has been an honor. I, I wish you all the best in the upcoming election. I know you have 28 days from now until election day yeah. to get the message out. You have a very large, diverse writing. Mm-hmm. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's already always go time. <laughs> and uh, for my listeners and to my viewers, I want to just say this one last time, and you've probably gotten sick and tired of me saying this over and over again, but I will say it one more time. Go out, vote, get engaged, educate yourself on the candidates, vote for the person who best represents the uh, values and ideals that you want to put forward, whether it be here municipally, whether it be the Senate elections, whether it be the school board elections, whether it be the uh, federal election that we are currently going through as well. But go out, get involved, learn about the candidates, because at the end of the day, this is your vote, this is your voice, and this is the future of your country that you are deciding. And Forest Lawn has very low voter turnout historically. So I say if you're going to vote, have a conversation with your friends, with your family, and say, hey, let's go together. Because honestly, your your voice really does matter. We've seen in in a crisis, in a pandemic, you know, there are elected officials that are just like, you know, deer in headlights. And then there are those that are, you know, ready to serve, to show up, to be there. And you have an opportunity to choose who that's going to be in the challenges that we're facing. And they're enormous right now. So let's get let's get out to vote. Um, let's get our friends and families out to vote. And um, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Awesome. Uh, for everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. For the people who are on the 
uh, the podcast, the links to Jordan's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, website, email address are all in the show notes. Yep. I did that. If you're watching this right now, just scroll down. It's right there as well. Please, please, please tune in tomorrow as we talk to another candidate for the NDP. Jordan, thank you so much for doing this once again. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate the The Ballot Box was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. 